Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. This morning, we are doing a study on Mark chapter 15, the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the first of four teachings that we'll be doing over the next few weeks on the cross and the death of Christ and the value of it, what it means to us. And it's very humbling to teach something like this, to teach of the death of our Lord and what He did for us on the cross. And I'm grateful I had the opportunity to do it. And uh, I'm glad you're with us and I hope that you're blessed and that you can uh, uh, be encouraged, be strengthened, and that this helps you. So, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 15, starting with verse 22. And, uh, and as we think about the crucifixion and the death of Christ, there's a note, there's a note way back in Leviticus chapter 1 from the Expositor Study Bible. And, and it really touched my heart because uh, the note, what it says here is that um, it is important to see that when the Holy Spirit would furnish us with foreshadowings of the cross, you know what that means. The Old Testament has what we call foreshadowings, right? The sacrificial system, the Passover lamb, okay, things like that. He gives us, in the very first place, one which sets it forth in its aspect Godward. This alone would be sufficient to teach us that there are heights and depths in the doctrine of the cross which man could never reach. Let me read that again. Uh, there are heights and depths in the doctrine of the cross which man could never reach. There is in the cross that which only God can know and appreciate. When Jesus died on that cross, there are some things that happened in the heart of God and in the heavenly realms that are beyond only God really can understand the depths and the heights and the knowledge of what really happened. And we're just there humbly saying, thank you, Jesus. Hence, it is uh, there, there is in the cross that which only God can know and appreciate. And so... That being the case, I'm asking that the Lord would quicken our spirits to understand a little bit about what it means that Jesus died on the cross and what is the crucifixion all about. So we're going to be doing our first study out of the gospel. I wanted to actually look at the gospel, one of the gospel accounts of Jesus dying on the cross instead of jumping around to a bunch of New Testament verses. Just look at the gospel account in the, out of Mark which is a very humble, simple presentation of how Jesus died on the cross to set us free from our sins and to complete the work that God called Him to. So, in verse 22, this is after Jesus had the Lord's Supper. This is after He was arrested and Judas betrayed Him. And then He was taken before Pilate, if you remember that. And then Pilate turned Him over to the Jews. They took Him to the house of Caiaphas and put the crown of thorns on his head and they beat him and mocked him and humiliated him, you know, and laughed and ridiculed. And then, and, and then after that, they gave him the cross, okay? And 
So in verse 22, and they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Now here we have in verse 22 a reference to one of the Old Testament foreshadowings of the cross. Okay, so when you study the Bible, there's some things that are important. One is time. Okay? Where are you in, in, in the sequence of time? Okay? Another one is location. What? Where is this taking place? And, and, then, and then you have who's there, right? What's going on? And, and so you start to get some context. So, so let's talk about time. This would be Friday, okay, A.D. 33. Okay, get that in your mind. We're talking about A.D. 33. This would be Friday, April the 3rd. Jesus died, okay, on the cross. Okay. He had the Passover supper on Thursday, April the 2nd with his disciples where he, he established communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, right? Okay. And then over, overnight is his arrest and the trial, and then, uh, and then on Friday... He's given the cross and taken to a place called Golgotha. Now, why does Mark mention the place, and why is that important? Uh, well, Hebrews 13, 11, and 12 tells us, okay? It tells us that. So, talking about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, it says, for the bodies of those animals... That the animals that would be brought to the priest in the tabernacle and then later the temple, okay? The bodies of those animals, in other words, the carcasses, whatever was not burned, you know, and, and cooked on the brazen altar that Pastor Rick has been teaching us about, okay? The bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp, okay? So whatever's left over is taken outside the camp Verse 12 of Hebrews 13, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Okay? So Mark mentions the place, Golgotha, to make it clear that Jesus is the sin offering that was outside the camp in Leviticus. He's the sin offering. And so the place is very important. Jesus didn't die on the cross Inside the walls of Jerusalem, he died on the cross outside the walls. Now, there's a debate about where it is, okay? And I don't want to get into that. You learn more about that if you travel with us to Israel, you know, because uh, there, there's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre there, which is a Catholic, a Catholic tourist site. Uh, we happen to believe that the cross, that the crucifixion happened another place, and and and, and it would have been on the road. You know, you have these uh, these pictures you see of like. Three crosses way up on a hill, far away. You have that cross, you know. Or the song, you know, the old rugged cross on a hill far away. Uh, but really it was probably, the, it, it was meant to, the cross was a humiliating punishment that the Romans uh, put upon prisoners. Uh, those who were, who were judged for the crimes. And it was done right there near the streets so the people could see them. And we see that. We're about to see that happening to Jesus. 
So it wasn't on a hill far away where nobody could see. It was it was close by where people could where Jesus could hear the insults that people were saying to him. Okay? And and so that's that's Golgotha. And that's why that's why Mark says this is where it is. Jesus is the sin offering. Okay? But Jesus in verse twenty three would not receive the wine mingled with myrrh, which was a narcotic. Okay? It was meant to to dull the pain. And Jesus refused it. He said, No, I can't do that. I have to consciously bear the sins of the world. I have to be aware of the weight of the sin of the world. I can't I can't somehow get out of my call. You ever wanted to squirm out? Does the devil offer you a form of wine and myrrh sometimes and you want to kind of sneak out of the pressure of the call? God will give you strength. Okay, verse 24. And when they crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. Psalm 22 is referenced throughout this entire uh this in, this entire account here, the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay, now he gives time, and it was the third hour, and they crucified him. That's the third hour is nine o'clock in the morning. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna skip real quick because we've got we've got third hour in verse 25. Okay, verse 33 talks about six hour, which is 12 noon, and then verse 34 talks about ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. Okay, so. First, I want you to have in your mind a six-hour span of time. Six-hour span of time. You know, it, it, it was an all-day event, the death of Jesus on that cross. Even more than that, if you count the previous night where he had the crown of thorns placed on his head and he's beaten, I mean, you're talking about 12 hours probably. The whole, you know, the whole scene from the Last Supper to going to the Garden of Gethsemane, being arrested, I mean, you're probably talking about a good 12 hours, but from the time that he got that cross on his back and he had to carry it up to Golgotha, and actually he couldn't. He was so weak by that point. He'd been beaten so much that uh, somebody else had to carry it for him, if you remember that. You're talking about a, a, a six-hour time span from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock at night. Okay, so have that in your minds. And the superscription of his accusation was written over him, the king of the Jews. Okay, so Pilate says, put this sign over him. And so there he is, hanging on the cross with a sign above him. It's a mocking sign, king of the Jews, but it's true anyway, and that's the irony of it, right? And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled. He was numbered with the transgressors. Okay? Now, now that is a reference to Isaiah 53. Now, I'm bringing up all this Old Testament stuff because I want you to know that the cross of Jesus Christ did not drop out of nowhere. God had been preparing the earth to try to understand the cross for hundreds of years. And he began simply through the sacrificial system. He did it through the Old Testament prophets, 
preparing us and, and giving us all kinds of, of foreshadowings, all kinds of ways to be able to try to understand what the cross has done for us. And so it says here in Isaiah 53:12, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. That's the verse that Mark references there. He was numbered with the transgressors. He who had no sin became sin for us. He was numbered with the transgressors. For He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So, in my place, in your place, Jesus became sin that we could be set free from the power of sin. The Scripture was fulfilled. He was numbered with the transgressors. That's verse 28. Okay? That's verse 28. And they who passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they who were crucified with him reviled him. So there he is hanging on the cross and, and everybody's just hurling insults at him. If you look at Psalm 22, this is a, Psalm 22 is a psalm that, that speaks of what it was, it sort of captures the emotions and the hardship that Jesus endured. And so beginning in verse 6, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. And that happened to Jesus on the cross. All he did was go around and heal the sick, preach the word of God, love his enemies, try to present the goodness of God to a lost and broken world. There was no sin in him ever but he was crucified on the cross and people hated him. People hated him. All those who see me ridicule me. They shout out. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. So there's another Old Testament scripture that's fulfilled in Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. It was, it was prophesied in Psalm 22 that Jesus, who knew no sin, Insults will be hurled at him. He will be mocked and scorned. He took that for our sakes. Okay, so that happened for three hours. Okay? Three hours he hung there. Because the next verse says, the next verse, the time is the sixth hour, which is twelve noon. So for three hours, Jesus hung there and just listen to people yell about how he was no good. Now, I don't know about you, but that really impacts my heart. When I think about my sins, my shortcomings, my failings, the things that I don't do right, the things I'm still trying to overcome, and that Jesus hung there on that cross, barely able to breathe, 
and for three hours just listen to people hurl insults at him. That's my Jesus. That's my Lord. And so I have nothing to offer him in any way that could uh, that could adequately say thank you. But I receive by the grace of God, and I hope you do too, that He took upon Himself the transgressions and all of the insults and all of the darkness and all of my sin so I could be set free. So for three hours He was there. Do you see how time is important? That kind of help you? And now, and now we come, the next part here is at 12 noon. And so we're going to finish up the next few verses where he dies. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So for three hours. Now let me, listen, let me, read, you, let me read you this note here. Because from 12 noon on April the 3rd, A.D. 33, from 12 noon until 3 p.m., for three hours, darkness covered the earth. Okay? As it was now the Passover time, okay, the moon was full so, so that it could not have been caused by an eclipse. In other words, there's arguments to say, oh, this just happened to be a, you know, a uh, astrological phenomenon that the darkness came. Okay? But, but that's not possible because of the time of uh, the time in the moon cycle being the Passover, okay? We, 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 we know how that works in the Passover. And during the Passover, it would have been a full moon. So, for when the moon is full, it cannot intervene between the earth and the sun. Okay? So, this was a supernatural darkness that came over the whole earth when the Son of God was about to die on the cross for three hours. Uh, how far this darkness extended, we aren't told. We do not know... Uh, we do know that it went as far as Egypt toward the south and as far as Bithynia toward the north. It was at this time that he became the burnt offering and the sin offering. Okay, so for three hours he hung there in darkness. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, that's Psalm 22, verse 1. Remember, Psalm 22 is multiple times throughout this. And here Jesus quotes Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So why is it that Jesus was forsaken while he was on the cross? It's, it's this. I've already quoted it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. In other words, sin was poured out on God. But God cannot look upon sin. It says in Habakkuk 1.13, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. And so as sin was poured out on Jesus, Father God could not look. He turned His back. Darkness came and Jesus was hanging there on the cross, bearing the sin of the world. And the Father was not able to look upon Him and offer Him help in that moment. And some of them who stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calls Elijah. Okay, they, they had no idea what was really going on. Right? And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying... Uh, so they tried to offer him the narcotic again. They said, 
let him alone. Let's, let's see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Right, so they're still mocking him. And then here we have in verse 37. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Proving that his death was not brought about by physical weakness, he voluntarily released his life when the Holy Spirit said the time was over. And then verse 38, listen to this. And the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. Now, let's back up. Jesus on the cross from 9 till 12, hanging there, being mocked, scorned, ridiculed. From 12 to 3, darkness over over the earth. Jesus is forsaken by the Father as the sin of the world is poured out upon Him. He has become the sin offering. He has become the burnt offering, typified in the in the Levitical priesthood where the animals were brought and were sacrificed to God for the sins of those who come. And of course, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And we'll talk more about that in the other sessions we do, but I want to I stay here in this. So, so then, Jesus releases His Spirit and says it's time. So, so He gives up His Spirit says it is finished and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom now this veil okay now Solomon's temple the veil was 30 cubits high which is about 45 feet tall 45 feet and 4 inches thick yeah 45 feet is a big swimming pool Forty-five feet. That's a that's a big piece of fabric. And four inches thick. I mean, that's heavy. Now, now, but most likely, okay, most likely, it was even bigger because Josephus tells us that Herod, okay, if you remember, Herod did improvements on the temple, and so the great historian Josephus is his name. Uh, he tells us that Herod's Herod, when Herod made renovations to the temple, he made it 60 feet tall. 60 feet tall and 4 inches thick. And the tear was from top to bottom. Now this veil, or this, uh, this curtain, this large, heavy curtain, 4 inches thick, 60 feet tall, was the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from the inner court. Okay? And so you couldn't go through the curtain unless you were the high priest and only once a year. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. was, And that's, uh, that's where the priest would go in once a year to intercede for the people on the Day of Atonement. And so this curtain was torn in two. Now it was torn in two from top to bottom to represent that God did it. Okay? And now the Holy of Holies is open because Jesus has gone into the heavenly tabernacle, the true tabernacle in heaven, to intercede by His own blood for your sins and, my, and for my sins eternally before the Father. And now there is no condemnation for those who...
who are in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine being, uh, you know, the high priest or being, you know, some young 12-year-old Levitical kid who's learning how to be a priest, and, you know, and you're over there uh, trying to sweep, you know, sweep up the, the dust and everything, and, and, and suddenly you, you hear this loud, I mean, it had to be loud, you know, for that curtain to, you know, when you rip a piece of fabric, you know, it goes like that. I think four inches thick, 60 feet high. I had to scare the mess out of that little kid. I mean, it was an event. And then the Holy of Holies is open for you and for me. That happened. Now, question, do you believe that happened? Do you believe that that's a historical event that took place in the history of this earth to set you free from your sins? If you don't, then I want to check your head. Because Jesus died on the cross for you and opened the Holy of Holies for you. Because it wasn't easy to come into the presence of God. If you came into the presence of God without the right sacrifices and all that, you're toast. You hit the ground. <laughs> you have early retirement. And through Jesus, though, we can come with confidence into the presence of God because of His shed blood on the cross. The Holy of Holies is open. And we can enter into the presence. In verse 39... And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. He was the first Gentile to render this testimony of faith. A centurion soldier, there would have been soldiers standing around Jesus and the others. That was their job, to stand there and make sure nobody tries to take him down or, or something like that. And so he's standing there watching Jesus and and he was the first Gentile to render this testimony of faith. Tradition affirms that this man was Longinus, and that he became a devoted follower of Christ, preached the faith, and died a martyr's death. So the first thing that happens after Jesus died and the veil is torn is a Roman centurion says, that's the Son of God. I can't question that anymore. Probably this was one of the guys who was mocking him. And may have even beat him in Caiaphas's house. And then suddenly, as he sees Jesus give up his life, his heart is turned. Let me ask you a question. Have you not really seen the cross in that light yet? That it's for you? Are you like this Longinus guy where you kind of didn't quite understand what Jesus was doing. I want you to know that the Lord is talking to you, that He died on that cross for your sins. He died on that cross for my sins. There's, there's no bull, there's no uh, goat, there's no lamb, there's no turtle dove that could take away my sins. The Old, the Old Testament, we talk about, yeah, we use these fun theological words that don't mean anything, you know, but one of them is... Uh, Propitiation. The Old Testament covers up the sin, right? Because we learn from Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats cannot remove sin. It had to be the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. So the Old Testament, it covered up the sin. It covered it up. Jesus and Jesus 
It expiates the sin. It takes it out and sets us free from it so that we can live by the law of the Spirit of life. Romans chapter 8. So are you somebody who still feels like your sin is pressing on you? Constantly pushing you down and I want you to know that Jesus suffered on that cross for six hours for you. He, en- he endured ridicule and shame for you so that you could be set free and live the life that God has called you to live. Well, that's Mark's presentation of the death of Jesus. So I wanted to start these four sessions by looking at the gospel account. So we're going to be looking at uh, some of the other things because Paul has some beautiful things to say about the death of Jesus and what the cross means for us. Uh, Peter has a lot to say in, in his epistles. Uh, so we're going to, and then there's some, we'll look at Isaiah 53. So we're going to do some, really dive into the cross and what the death of Jesus means for us. And I hope that you enjoyed this first session as we looked at uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, to read the Gospel account. Have a great day. Keep listening. We have some really great teachings coming up right after this. And uh, then we'll also be with you again tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Don't miss Dr. Gene Thomas is going to be bringing you a wonderful message about the ascension of Christ. You won't want to miss that. Dr. Gene Thomas tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Okay? So we'll see you soon. Have a great day. Oh